kids, and welcome to another bonus episode of Hello, Fellow Kids. We got free books. We got free books by, like, real book people. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, so, for this special bonus episode, we read Every Stolen Breath. Yes, we, we thought of Sting every single time. Every Stolen Breath. I don't every know if that was... Every Stolen Breath, Every Stolen Breath. Apologies. Um, I don't, I don't know if that was Kimberly Gabriel's intention, but that's what we ended up doing every time. Maybe it would make her laugh, maybe she'd just kind of sigh and just look at us like we're idiots. I don't know the woman. Those are both valid. She looks nice enough. Maybe she'd laugh. But yes, Every Stolen Breath by Kimberly Gabriel, which is on sale the day this episode comes out, November 5th, 2019. I say you should pick it up. I was gonna say, how did you feel about this? I think I gave it four stars on Goodreads, but I think it was closer to a three and a half. It was good. I do. She can write. Mm-hmm. I liked the character. The main character is not close to perfect. Um, oh yeah. But and then there was sometimes where I was just like, oh my god, could you play the victim harder? But that's kind of just she's a teenage girl and they do that. So I, I and but she's not presented as like this is the complete right way to be because there's people calling her out throughout the book. Right. So that's what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because sometimes they portray, like, this, like, negative character and, like, no one says anything to them. And it's always presented as, well, this is the reasonable way to behave. And you're just like, well, you're kind of a jerk, though. Right. But then there's everyone lining up ready to go, like, you're being, a, you're being a jerk right now. And I like that. Every time I picked it up, I was like, oh, boy, I get to read another part of this. So I wasn't, like, dreading picking it up. Uh, and it's what we always talk about. Like, I guess this is going to be part of a series but, um... It is? Shouldn't it be? Well, the ending kind of left it open. I that if there is one, then you could continue. Oh, but... I did. Okay. Well, don't you think? Not really. I thought it was an implication that her story will continue, but we don't need to read it. It didn't It didn't feel like a setup for an actual book. It just felt like a setup for this character is going to live more life to me. Oh. But we'll talk about that. I felt like there. I felt like we, it, it could, and if it didn't, but even if it didn't, this was still a standalone story. We've talked about this where uh, series are lazily done when it's just like, oh, we'll just set up all the groundwork here. It's like, well, why should we care? Shouldn't we have a driving force through this book right. where you reach some kind of conclusion? And we had that here, right? So even if there isn't a second book, which I feel like there is, because I mean, there's more places, there's more places to go, but it still was a satisfying ending to the story, right? I think this, more than any other arc that we've read, or free book for the most part, feels like something that I would have pulled off a shelf at, like, a Barnes & Noble, you know? It felt the most like a complete book that goes with the other stuff on the shelf. Yes! Yeah, um, this this really... Yeah. And it is being published by a division of HarperCollins, so it's not even, like, a self-published thing. It's a no. legit... Yeah, it's really, really good. Like, I was pleasantly surprised right <laughs> i was like okay here we go because i was i was dreading starting to read it because i was just like oh gosh these things that we don't ask for that we're receiving and it's a mixed bag when you do that when, yeah. you know, when you accept that let's see what happens and i'm just like okay pleasantly surprised that you know the next thing that kimberly gabriel writes i'd be like i liked her last thing i'll read this yeah yeah uh so this book is uh, it's inspired by Flash the mob. Chicago flash mob violence, which has been going on for on and off for almost a decade now. And the basic conceit is that there have been these attacks on tourists in Chicago where a bunch of teenagers just kind of come out of nowhere and punch somebody to death and then just disappear. 
Well, this is the book that didn't happen in real life. Right. This is this is the book. <laughs> she she took like it says in like the promotional material that she took like the real crime and made it way worse, you know, for the for the book. <laughs> um, so in the book, they come out of nowhere and they punch a tourist to death and then run off. And um, the main character Leah, her father had been investigating this stuff uh, as a as a lawyer, and he was killed in kind of the last attack. Before they kind of stopped for a while. Yeah, the, at the time, at the time the story picks up, it's two years after the, her father's attack, and there just hasn't been anything since, and like no one's on guard anymore. So that's kind of the perfect right. time to have this happen. Yeah, again. but she has been like she's been convinced that there's more to the story than this, and so she's been keeping tabs, and uh, she notices a social media post that suggests that another attack is coming soon, and she goes and witnesses that, and this is kind of the fallout from that and her quest to solve this ongoing sort of mystery and it's very it's i mean it's definitely more teen than most of the other stuff we've read right and it plays out just kind of, as kind of like a a fun sort of thriller with like yes it i mean yeah there's no fantasy elements which is uncommon for the stuff we end up reading because that's what most ya stuff kind of lean towards yeah it's like our first thriller so You can't see it. He's doing like the claw dance. <laughs> this is not a visual medium. Not a visual medium. If we ever make merch, we should have t-shirts that say not a visual medium. That'd be dumb because then it would be a visual medium because well, you could look at the shirt. <laughs> yeah. And to make it worse, we should have it like on like a snowy TV screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get into this. Yeah. Here we go. Chapter one. Teenager Leah Finch is keeping tabs on everyone at the Navy Pier in Chicago. Two years ago, her father was killed by the Swarm, a group of anonymous teenagers that kill seemingly indiscriminately. The police insist that the Swarm is no longer active, but Leah is convinced they're still around. She believes she's uncovered their next site of attack via social media. She takes pictures and video of several suspicious teens, keeping a special eye out for a boy with two lip piercings, the boy who killed her father. She finally sees him, along with several other teens, and as the group starts to converge in her direction, she realizes she has been the target all along. Chapter 2. Or maybe not. The swarm builds around one man on the pier, and the rest of the potential witnesses disappear. Leah gets on the line with 911 and continues taking photos and video, but is unable to get closer without making herself a target. One girl in the swarm with black hair and a pained expression catches Leah's attention, but that is quickly overshadowed by a boy in a hoodie charging Leah. He catches her and holds her at the edge of the pier, then tells her to jump into the water and swim away, or the rest of the swarm will kill her. Confused and disoriented, she slips and falls into Lake Michigan, the hooded guy calling what sounds like her name. So here's our inciting incident. Right. I, I said she's on a mission in capital letter. Like a capital M mission? Yeah. Hey, why is someone, like, randomly coming up and punching somebody to death way scarier than, like, stabbing somebody or shooting them? Oh my god. Because, like, I don't know, I guess you think, like, a punch, and you're just like, oh, gee, and then it just keeps happening, and you're like, what? Yeah, like... Especially since usually you can see a punch coming because you're arguing, and and then someone, like, throws a punch because you're just all like, oh, yeah, well, your wife's a bitch, and you're just like, boom. (laughs) Or if the guy's really rude, like, I know, right? But... (laughs) (laughs) But there's usually, like, some, like you said, the inciting incident that leads to the punch and just minding your own business... Because you hear about people getting stabbed for no reason. Because it's just somebody who's just like, I my parents don't love me, stab. I don't know. 
I think I, it's also the fact that with, like, weapons, you can do, like, one hit and then it's over. But with, a, with punches, it takes a lot of them and you have so many chances to be like, I should stop this. It feels so much more personal because you're right there. Yeah. And I think it'd be scary knowing that this is going to happen and, like, watching for it. Because yeah. she, she's looking specifically for people who are trying to hide their face. So then when you start, you know, spotting those, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. And I feel like she shouldn't have cornered herself by right here. I'd, I'd watch from somewhere else where I could leave well. Right. Like, like, okay, and there's, like, 12 guys in hoodies all over there, and they're all ducking their heads anytime someone looks at them. So let's yeah. take some pics and get... But like right GTFO. away, I was I was freaked out by the the um, kind of the, how visceral this violence is, as opposed to just like I think having to like listen to the person scream. Yeah, and like that just so plus it just coming out of nowhere. Yeah, like later she sees a video of something really terrible, and I was just all like, I'm gonna kill all of these assholes for <laughs> doing this to her. And then, like, while she's reeling by, you know, this, this, uh, actually someone's about to attack her, and then the hooded character, like, knocks that guy away, and then, like, grabs her and is like, can you swim? I, I, I get so flustered so easily, I was just, just picturing, like, what does that have to do with anything? What, are you going to kill me? <laughs> like, what if I say no? What's gonna happen here? Happy birthday! <laughs> I can't swim. I can't swim. <laughs> Yeah, good thing Raven wasn't here. <laughs> Even with her little water wings, it wouldn't have helped. But I actually heard uh, water wings don't do much for uh, preventing drowning. So don't put your kids in water wings, I guess. Well, you can probably put them in water wings, but don't just be like, they have water wings, therefore nothing bad could happen to them. But anyway, yeah. So I was, I was completely on board with her just being like, what? <laughs> and then, but I did think like, of course, when she's like, okay, I'm going to do it, and her foot slips, I'm like, but of course wouldn't be a teen protagonist if you weren't clumsy Bella Swan wah, wah. <laughs> uh, it's also important to establish that uh, she has asthma uh, Yo, which is really, really important to, for like she has asthma attacks very frequently and she like, was a premature baby and her lungs weren't quite finished developing and she's just kind of been trying to just kind of struggling along ever since yeah and she had a twin sister who was also premature and uh, didn't make it because yeah. her lungs had to. Uh, I guess we'll find out more about that later, and we can discuss it then. But yeah, this is a girl who's. Um, I think she's probably wheezing at this point right now too when he like tosses her over. So yeah. she's like, "Cool, I'm not gonna make it. Even if we were really close to land, it's not happening for me." And he wasn't tossing her in to be a dick. He was just trying to get her away from the melee. And the other thing is, and we'll see this a lot more later on, but um, so th when she sees the swarm coming in, she assumes they're after her. And this is a thing that we see very frequently is that she has varying degrees of paranoia up through hallucination of bad things happening to or around her. She has very severe PTSD, um, which I don't think helps with the asthma. Right? Then you, work, then you work yourself up and then you're like, <clears throat> like I'm starting to develop like... I feel like it's a, I feel like I'm developing adult asthma and it's not as bad, of course, nowhere near as bad as hers. So yeah. I'm just kind of like, like my lungs felt sore in sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of times where I was like reading this. And uh, when it happens to her, there's no, there's not always a good way for the reader to know that it isn't reality until she convinces herself that it's not. So there are a couple times where I'm like, what do you mean this is happening? How is this happening all of a sudden? And then she's like, and then I had to tell myself it's not real. And I'm like. 
Oh, okay. Na- like, I felt it too. You're an unreliable narrator. <laughs> got it. <laughs> well, I, I got so used to that happening that, like, later on in the book, where, like, the thing is happening, and I was like, oh, but did she, she didn't really do that, though, right? And then, like, someone else is all like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> We're doing this. I thought she was just picturing doing this. She mentions that when she was younger, her dad made her take self-defense lessons, and she was like, good, but any idiot can follow directions in a simulated fight. And I was like, that's how I felt about karate. It's like, people are like, oh, you took karate, so you can, like, protect yourself. It's like, yeah, if we're using the same style of karate, (laughs) and they're telling me what they're doing. (laughs) Plus, like, it's low stakes. You're in a class. You can, like, be calm and think, like, what you should do next. Yeah. Plus, you just learned it. Right. Way different than being out in the wild and having something happen. You're like, oh, this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. This guy comes at her uh, with gray eyes. And as soon as it said gray eyes, I was like, they're going to end up together. Yep. Because. Anytime you notice the eyes. That's and the... Anytime you notice the eyes, and especially like gray is like, like, I feel like if a male writer were writing about somebody having gray eyes and the protagonist was also like male or whatever, it would be like a. Kind of a, a negative thing in the sense that it's like they're kind of inhuman, but for whatever reason, it, it's always romantic whenever I read it in like other stuff. It's like, oh, they're gray eyes. And I'm like, I'm, they're, okay. it's because they're a really unusual color. Yeah. You don't see gray eyes typically. Right. And um, also in these books, I always think like, come on when that happens because. Who's going to notice that? Who out knows of colors of, of eyes? Like uh, there's people I've been, I've known for years and I still, I still don't know what color your eyes are. And I'm sitting right across right. from you. And I'm like, yeah, it's like. I don't even, I still don't know what color your eyes, mine are blue, but it's just, yeah. So when they like notice it and it's always like from a distance, like how are you seeing what color his eyes are from a distance? Right. But I guess she'd notice if he was, yeah. when he was up close. And there's sometimes where it's like, there's like low lighting and she's like far away and stuff. And it's like, and then the gray eyes are like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice that. <laughs> um, that that uh, YouTuber graveyard girl has very bright blue eyes. They're very noticeable. You can see them even in uh, the, um, that's the not thumbnail. Icon. Yeah. The thumbnail. You can see it even in the thumbnail. Like, wow, she's got really bright blue eyes. And usually I'm always surprised that the person has green eyes. Because I sit there for a while, like, I can't really tell what it is. And you see it, like, closer up, you're like, oh, it's green. Okay. That's so unusual. I just assume, like, blue or brown. Right. And you see it, it's green. And you're like, oh, okay. I've known, like, one person with green eyes in my life. Like, green green? Like, green green. Like, I've, I, I, I've seen people that have, like, kind of, like, a muddy greenish blue or something like that. But, like, green green's really... Yeah. Uh, my friend Amelia from uh, middle school and high school had green eyes. I mean, still does. They didn't change. <laughs> and she's still alive. Oh, there's people who are like that, though. They're like, um, my eyes are different colors at different times. When I feel really sad, they're more of like a brighter and blah. And I'm just like, your eyes are not changing colors. Shut up. You know who does that? Ooh. My mom about me. She's <laughs> like, mom, Mars doesn't even know what color my eyes are. And she looks right into them when she speaks to me. Yes, and flick your hair and I'll bitchily while you do it. <laughs> Chapter 3. After losing consciousness in the water, Leah briefly awakens on a dock and sees emergency lights on the distant pier. She hears footsteps and, thinking it's the swarm, goes weak again. She awakes in a house where the news on TV is covering the mob attack. The victim is in critical condition and not expected to survive. She finds she doesn't have her phone or her inhaler and is struggling to breathe. At the house, she meets Dr. Steve Marshall... Richard, the mayor's chief of staff, and Cullen Henking, the mayor's son. He identifies her as the crazy girl who made up her own twin in third grade. 
which we learn was a coping mechanism to know her actual twin who died just after birth. They explain what they think happened. After falling off the pier, Leah swam a mile, climbed onto the mayor's dock, and rang the bell at its end, which is how they found her. She remembers none of this, however, and finds it unlikely. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) She gives the men a vague explanation for why she was at the pier, believing she needs to go through her pictures and videos to find concrete proof of the event and show the world she isn't crazy. Chapter 4. Leah returns home to her mother and assures herself that she gathered enough evidence to incriminate the swarm. She watches the news where investigative reporter Emmy Vega talks about how, despite the swarm usually killing tourists, Leah's father had been apparently targeted due to his role as lead prosecutor against Bill Morrill, a real estate tycoon who uh, may have orchestrated the death mob. Morrill killed himself a week later, which Leah feels as proof her dad was on the right track. Her mother mentions that Detective Irving, the officer who had been investigating Leah's father's death, called due to Leah leaving multiple messages. She reminds Leah of the dangers of her actions and that Leah is all she has left. That night, Leah discovers she has no evidence from the pier and determines that someone hacked the phone and erased it all. She learns from the news the name of the victim, Jeremiah Dopney. Seeking answers, Leah heads into her father's room to begin making connections. Chapter 5. Leah makes updates to her personal crime wall, a timeline of death mob killings over the years. She adds Dopney, as well as the four swarm members she was able to get a good look at. Uh, Codenames Copperhead, Black Hat, Cropped Hair Girl, and Grey Eyes, the one who pushed her off the pier. Outside, her dog Charlie causes a commotion, and her mother goes outside to investigate. She comes back in having seen nothing, but she did find Leah's bag, the one Leah had lost on the pier, which her mom knew nothing about. Inside, Leah finds newspaper clippings on three seemingly unrelated deaths. Her phone has been wiped of evidence from the pier, but two new photos are present, taken just outside Leah's home less than an hour ago with the warning, back off, darn paintbrush scarecrows. Right. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as Colin was introduced, I wrote my notes, please God don't make this the romantic interest. I did not want like a love triangle with this guy. His name's Colin. Like he just seems like the, like, like the character in the, I read quite a bit of teen literature like, this horrible guy is introduced, and then, the, like, the uh, author kind of whoopifies him as we go along, where it turns out, like, his dad's mean to him or right. something, and that's why he is the way he is. Right. You know, and, like, says shitty stuff to people, and, like, laughs at someone for their dad being killed in the death mob. Yeah, sque- n- nice, Colin, thanks. Uh, and, and, you know, just being kind of, like, a viable, viable candidate to be, like, the boyfriend. Yeah. You know? That always seems to happen, and I'm sure there's probably, there will be fan fiction of Leah and Colin, I guarantee it. Like, from his point of view, being all like, sure, I'm mean all the time, but she really is super pretty. You know? <laughs> like, that kind of crap. And, like, I like, like, ugly relationships like that when it's played out with adults, but when it's in the teen arena like this, I'm like, nah, let's, let's not, let's not make having a mean boyfriend be a cool thing. Right. Like, let's, nah, let's not do that. I, I just felt that uh, he was named Cullen as a direct reference to Edward Cullen because everybody would then know to hate him because <laughs> at this point uh, I think Twilight's played out enough that they're just like oh great cool rich like aloof guy just let's not no thanks he's not even aloof no the other he's, guy's aloof yeah he's this guy aloof he, he's so aloof <laughs> he's so aloof and like touching when like uninvited and like touching your hand and like her hair and stuff like i don't even like people i like and know touching me so i'm just you know, I'm like, like oh, if that'd been me in the moment I'm like why you stop touching me <laughs> i'm just screaming out 
<laughs> which he, you know he'd be the type of guy like oh daddy like you know when she, when she like responds that right way or something like oh I was hoping to get a reaction like that from you <laughs> I don't know why he's turning into Jim Gaffigan <laughs> he's like I just really just detested this character but I saw I, I saw hints of like the wobification that could happen like a like like a prime example of this is like uh, the character Logan Eccles on the Veronica Mars television show, who was just a foul character, but like the actor was just so good that he kind of like brought something more to it. So I was like, oh, we might have to like write better to like justify this guy. So he ended up being like a way bigger character, and then being like the the romantic interest that the whole audience loved, and like the car- the creators like, no, he's not the guy. And, like, didn't handle it very gracefully. Whereas, like, on Buffy, Spike's kind of that character. Right. And But, like, I feel like the char- the writers were better at figuring out what to do with him. I'm just like, okay. And not, like, getting mad at the audience. Like, quit liking the guy who's cool. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> anyway, I'd, I'd like to know what her... And plus, like, his reaction towards the end of the book, I feel like... That, that that kind of contributes to what like a sp- springboarding into a sequel would be. Okay. What do we think of um, Leah's mom? I don't know. I don't think it's deliberate, but she misinterprets her mother's. She she comes at it from a, like a very bitchy teenage girl perspective. I'm like, oh look at her making it all about her, and I'm just like, I'm not I'm not getting that though from what your mom's actually saying and how she's saying it. You're kind of interpreting this a weird way. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, let's put it this way. I didn't think much about her mom, which tells me that I did feel that she was strongly, like, negative or anything. Like, I was just kind of like... Well, she was, you know, she's like, oh, great, now she's going to guilt me for this or that. I'm like, I think she's just worried about you. Yeah. She wants you to go to the shrink so you have someone to talk to. Yeah. Your mom's not equipped to handle someone who has severe PTSD. Right. She needs help. Right. And you're not helping her with that. Right. And it's not because like her... you're a traumatized child, and it's not your responsibility to handhold your mother. I get it. And it's not like her mom knows that the the specific like therapist that she was seeing wasn't helpful at all. Like, well, it in... sounded like he was. He gave her coping mechanisms for her panic attacks and stuff. He was. It's. It sounded like he was like helpful at the start, but then like the more she went, it was like it wasn't doing anything for her because he kept wanting to like dig up things that she didn't feel like were helping her. And oh, like so talking about like... her dead sister. Yeah, and she's all like. I don't remember her, so can we talk about Yeah, my dad? and so she was concerned that if <laughs> she went back, she would just, like, fall into that cycle again instead of actually, like, talking about the things that she felt she needed to talk about. I mean, I'm not an expert about Chicago, but I'm pretty sure there's more than one therapist Probably. There. So she could have said to the mom, like, he's been helpful for some stuff, but right. I, I just, but that would require talking to your parents. Right, like, that, who wants to do that? That's what I'm saying. Because then that... she can maybe, like, go to, like, someone who specializes in PTSD. Yeah. I'm sure they, they have them. They, yeah. they have to, especially in this world we live in, so... Yeah, like, that's what I mean. The fact that, like, the fact that her mom didn't know that she didn't want to see that specific therapist wasn't the mom's fault. It was more Leah's fault for not communicating that and trying to find a new strategy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't really fault the mom for anything. No, so. um... I mean, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit. Like, everything in its place kind of stuff, because I'm just not that way. So right. I'm just like... <laughs> Okay. Oh, sorry. I want to come in here with split ends. A place for everything and everything Everything in in its place. place. And he's like, oh, and then she goes upstairs to like check her makeup and it's fine. And then uh, we we hear a little bit about Emmy Vega, the um, Gail Weathers of this book. 
you never saw Scream, did you? Hit it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The Gail Weathers of this book, who, you know, probably is a bitch. Sure she is. If if you're successful and get stuff done, you're a bitch. But, (laughs) yeah, you know, bitches get stuff done. With Tina Fey and Amy Poehler said on SNL. Okay. But I, I, I realized just how apt that was the further we got along because Gail Weathers... You know, it's like this flashy tabloid type journalist, but actually is like a very hard hitting, like investigative journalist who does her homework and like has sources and connections and like can connect the dots. Yeah. And like just because she is catering to this, what the public wants as a media persona doesn't mean that she isn't still a very diligent reporter. She's still, she still does all of the legwork. It's just that we want... You know, we want clickbait and headlines and, and you know, extravagant personalities mm-hmm. all the time. So it's... Yes, so that was, she was very Gail Weathers, which I enjoyed because <laughs> I watched Scream very recently. And then the uh, murder wall that she had, I started laughing because she, she, has, she has it hidden in her dad's office. There's like a big painting of the Chicago skyline. Then she turns it around. There's like, here yeah. it is. <laughs> then we fucking walked into like criminal minds and she just expect like, she freaking, has all the like, red Spencer, string. And... <laughs> Spencer Reed come in. Uh, usually uh, mob violence only happens uh, occasionally. And it never shows up like consistently like this. In a time. <laughs> Have you ever watched criminal minds? No. Okay. That was a dead on impression okay. of Matthew Gray Goobler. <laughs> <laughs> Just picturing, picturing him there and started, like, giggling. But uh, that's very diligent of her to have this and a very clever place to hide it. Right. Because the neat, freak, clean mom probably really cleaned the room and if you had, like, the whiteboard hidden under your bed, look what I found! Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to get over this. I'm not going to get over my dad dying, okay? Oh, yeah, and then the, the creepy picture of, like, hey, I took a picture of you outside your house arguing with your mother. <laughs> Just based on him doing that, I was like... He's going to be the romantic interest, isn't he? So I was, like, getting annoyed by it. By right. It. it took a while for me to get on the train here, but <laughs> I did eventually. Okay. It's like, I know it's coming, and I know by the end I'll probably be okay with it, but right now I'm not loving it. It took a while. Yeah. Uh, for a while I was like, I'm not loving this. But I, I did. Not no thanks. loving it. <laughs> Don't give me your garbage. <laughs> I've never actually watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I just love that gif of, like, him handing back the present going... I don't want your garbage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we ready to go? Oh, I'm going to let you do six as well, because it's two pages of a chapter. Oh, well. Chapter six. Leo wakes to sounds in the night that are hopefully just a tree scraping against the window. She looks outside and sees nothing unusual except a black Escalade. She remembers that one of the newspaper articles in her bag mentioned a blogger hit and killed by a dark Escalade. As she looks, the driver moves and looks back at her. She ducks under the covers, but can't get the image out of her head. Chapter 7. Leah insists on going to school, even though she is the topic of all gossip that day. At lunch, she is joined by her friends, the reserved but artistic Katie, and the, uh, kind of loud outsider Adam. They're concerned for Leah, but Leah's more interested in recruiting Adam for some computer hacking help, because of course. (laughs) Cullen comes by to mock Leah some more and suggests that she take a page out of his book and milk the press's attention. Leah tells Adam about the tweet that led her to the pier and suggests he track the IP address. He will help her on two conditions. One, she delete his special search ag- aggregator program, uh, which she uses to find the tweet in the first place, from all her devices. Two, she gets the media off her back. Realizing she's going to have to play Cullen's game to do so, she accepts. Chapter 8. 
The camera crews have swarmed outside and Leah debates her options. Her teacher, Mr. Mater, checks up on her, and on her way out the school, she is stopped by Cullen. He offers to give her a ride so the news vans won't stalk her all the way home, but she won't stoop that low. She has to take a minute to compose herself when she sees a figure that she's sure is gray eyes outside. But when she looks again, he's moved on. She heads outside and is immediately overcome with questions from the reporters. How did it feel to watch the attack? Why was she there in the first place? She tells the reporters that she went to honor her father, whose career began in the Navy. The reporters also let slip that someone named Rafael Nunez of the Latin Royals gang has been brought in for questioning. The reporters continue to swarm, and Leah takes Cullen's offer of a ride home after all. Cullen wants the truth, but Leah avoids answering and instead gets a lead from Adam, an IP address associated with the library. She has Cullen drop her off at the train station instead. He doesn't even drop her off there. He just drops her off somewhere randomly. Because he's a prince. <laughs> he's a pip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I want to just really quick touch on the tiny little chapter, uh, because... So she wakes at 3.33 a.m. Something scrapes against the office window downstairs. Uh, someone trying to pry open the window just below my room. The office window is easily 13 feet up. How tall is her house? She's a big house. She's, uh, we, you, she d- doesn't say it, but, um, like in chap- the, the chapter where Colin's going to take her home, she initially tells him where he lives and he's like, oh, you're, you live on the Gold Coast. Yeah. He's like, I didn't think you were rich. And she's like, why? He's like, because I'm a dickhead, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so she's they're well off yeah i just didn't realize that it would be like three full floors i figured it'd be like two good sized floors with like a you know a generous plan i don't know three floors is just like wow no, no, i guess if a... your father's a prosecuting attorney in chicago you're doing pretty i guess good. you live in a castle then <laughs> and even then it's not quite that great <laughs> this is just middle class here it's a middle class <laughs> middle class hole <laughs> yeah then we finally meet the friends i was like wait she has friends because she'd never kind of hinted at them before yeah and i just assumed she wouldn't have any which kind of sums her up as a person <laughs> and how little she really thinks of them i don't mean how little as in like she thinks badly of them i mean how it's just she's so preoccupied with this thing she's that she... very self-absorbed and, uh, and some some of it's warranted and some of it is like how about you take a step back and think about the bigger picture here right and it's important that the book the book addresses both parts of that yes so that's what i really appreciated that's like okay cool this isn't being presented as like yeah this is a completely reasonable way to be and her friends are just jerks you know right or like everyone else is just jerks i'm like no you're kind of a jerk especially what happens later yeah Oh, she's talking about some of her previous, like, therapy stuff and visiting the Intensive Therapeutic Outpatient Program, also known as the ITOP. Okay. I don't know. I just I just wanted to write down that it was the ITOP, the International Taps of Pancakes. That, was that where they peg? Yeah. <laughs> Josh sort of pretends he knows what I mean. I know what pegging is. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone's, like, listening to this, like, and then googling it and going oh, oh my no. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> oh my stars <laughs> oh my <God>. oh. <laughs> mama look at my computer <laughs> no don't tell mom <laughs> <gasps> that's my favorite vine of all time why are you watching this don't tell mom <laughs> <laughs> little, this little girl gets caught 
watching uh, gay porn, but they hadn't really. They were just like making yet. out. They, yeah. yeah, it was the preliminary certain. <laughs> I don't think she would have been really in trouble. It's like the older sibling, they just wanted to give her some crap. Why are you watching this? Don't do Bob. And plus, like the little girl, like I don't understand, but like she's wearing like a full face of makeup. Right. And like a sexy looking tank top. And I was just like, did she doll herself up to watch this cake boy? What is What is this whole situation here? <laughs> I have so many questions. So if you know the backstory behind that, please email us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Is that the right pa- uh Yes. Okay. Hey, who'd have guessed that the loner boy would be a computer whiz? I totally wouldn't have pegged him for that. Because he's gay. Dude, I don't know if they, like, I didn't pick up on that. Me neither. I thought he was, like, just a goth hacker. And then, like, later, sometimes she'd describe his clothes and it's like, it was really tight, of course. And I was just like, oh, so, okay, so is he gay? I didn't even think about that. I was just like, I know that, like, you know, like, a lot of, like, skater and goth stuff has used, like, tight clothing for a long but time but then so she said like, like this ratty band t-shirt i was like no not a right no and then later i'm like oh i guess i guess he was um, yeah i don't know how much of that was like me just not picking up on it or or the fact that like it wasn't particularly relevant to any of the scenes that he was no, in because he was hanging out with his friends and then helping with computer hacking you don't need to be gay to do any of that no <laughs> it doesn't hurt <laughs> <laughs> so i guess that's cool I mean, she could have been full-on, like, 100% offensive with him just, like, waving, like, you know, just comes in, like, wrapped in a rainbow flag and was all like, girl! Right. I am here to help you with your computer! <laughs> just like, what the Right. F- Why didn't RuPaul went to your school? What's happening? <laughs> and Katie's Asian. Which you don't know until, like, Colin makes some crack about Katie driving. Right. And, like, like, and then Leah's like, so what... Was this like girls can't drive or Asian? Where are you going with this? Yeah, I was like, is this a is this an insult for girls or for Asians or both? Like, what's your angle here? Yeah, because <laughs> you're a dick. But which which pile <laughs> should I put you on? <laughs> are you a racist dick? Are you a sexist dick? Or are you just an equal opportunity dick? Which ding 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 is that one? <laughs> which I'm picturing a light up penis when you say that. Ding 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 ding. ding. What was that? <laughs> Ow! Okay, let's get going. You have to go to school. <laughs> uh, they had Instagram in seventh grade. Ugh. And I'm like, seventh grade? I mean, you had cell phones in seventh grade. That makes me feel bad, but... I had friends that were lying about their age to get on MySpace in seventh grade. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, wait... <laughs> I can tell this is going to get ditched in a few years. <laughs> I, yeah, I never bothered to make one. And then when everybody like I abandoned that for fa- Facebook, I was like, see? And then I never made a Facebook. And then everybody is like, that's a good idea. They take all your information and then you become addicted to Facebook and can't get off it. And I'm like. I pop in once in a while, but then I just end up seeing pictures of all my friends' kids. I'm like, okay. Because, I don't know, you like a few of them. Just like, oh, that's a cute picture. Like. And then it's like, that's all you want to see. And like, as much as this kid is cute. I'd like to see what my other friends are right. up to. <laughs> so uh, Cullen has this idea of the two of them basically using the media uh, and kind of like spinning things for their own gain. And Yes, he... and fuck him for that because that is like my favorite trope in like fan fiction is the fake dating. And he's all like, how about we fake date? I'm like, do not bring your fake dating and ruin it for me. 
And so I just I just wrote a little Katniss Xpeta because that was like their original strategy. Except in that, it actually becomes so like good thing that it doesn't happen with I know Colin right away. That's it's what I was like... really really worried about. It was just like no, he's suggesting fake dating. Wait, where's that creeper threw off the dock? Let's <laughs> go with that one. <laughs> Anything but this. Guy. Oh, ugh. when he's in the car and oh god, what do, we, what do you say? What do you say? Okay, before he dr- drops her off in front of a random restaurant, uh, he refuses to let her out. And says he always gets what he wants, which is the rapiest thing you can say, <laughs> other than I'm going to rape you. But, <laughs> right? like, but it's, I, I was just like, Ugh. like, I just, ugh. I wanted to, like, be on the other side of the car, like, rip the door open, pull him out, and just start smacking at him. Like, you piece of shit. He's like, the swarm. I'm like, no, it's just an angry 30 year old lady who hates you right now. It's like, you let that little girl out of the car. <laughs> so if, if, you, if you need that and want to, like, embarrass a guy being creepy, I'll, I'll get, like, a really mom-looking outfit and, like, storm over and This is start. a new service that we're offering. <laughs> podcast and sending Mara to uh, smack mock, up. Mock block. <laughs> <laughs> the mom comes over and will stop the dude doing stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to smack him with your white Valentino. Or bag. acting like, what? what? <laughs> I'm sticking my Valentino white bag. <laughs> the second time we've referenced this on this show. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we just... I don't know, Josh suddenly like started watching Vine, so now he knows all the memes I like used to say all the time. With... This is... Uh, I think this is very apt that we are two grown adults reading a book coming out in like two weeks for a teenage audience, and we're referencing a social media platform that died like three years ago. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just, I just quoted another Vine. That girl was like... Singing and something, you hear someone go, Shut up! And she goes, Yes. <laughs> okay, anyway, should we move on? Chapter 9, the library. The library! The chapters don't have titles. But it's not library, it's DiGiorno. Give me library. Or give me DiGiorno. Chapter 9. Leah arrives at the library and begins her investigation. A man with crazy eyes and books on murder and mob mentality recognizes her from somewhere but can't quite place it. Put a pin in that. Leah doesn't give him a chance to figure it out. She investigates each computer before finding an array towards the back, away from most foot traffic and all the security cameras. One computer has someone's stuff by it, and that turns out to be the Crazy Eyes Man. He sees Leah looking up the attacks and the new supposed lead on the Latin Royals and recognizes her. He says her secret is safe with him, though. Leah determines that the computer he was using has the right IP address, but before she can make any progress, she gets a text from a block number telling her to run. <laughs> uh, she does, then realizes it may be a trap and is yanked into the stairwell by an unknown figure. That was actually really smart thinking. She's like, well, maybe that's what they want me to get right? like, in this isolated place. So I was just like, okay, that's some good hesitation. If you're going to hesitate, it should be for that reason. Yeah. Chapter 10. The figure is, of course, gray eyes, and he warns Leah that there are swarm all around the library. He says he wants to help her because her dad helped him once. She is hesitant at first, but he convinces her with some force to go with him. He snatches up a few stray belongings to create a new disguise for Leah and takes her out of the library and onto the train. Uh, chapter 11. Gray Eyes takes Leah on the train for a while, during which time her anxiety about crowds gets the best of her. He lets her stay close to him until she recovers. Eventually, they get off the train and he takes her to his car. As he drives her home, she gets just the slightest information out of him. He's helping her to absolve his own guilt, which Leah isn't too thrilled about. Uh, he was following her today, but not the day that she was on the pier. 
Furthermore, he wasn't present when her father was killed or he would have done something about it. He also insinuates that her father's job and the reason for his death are more complicated than she knows. They arrive at Leah's house, which is swarming with reporters, and he finally reveals his name, Ryan. Chapter 12. Since it's dark, Leah is able to sneak inside without the reporter seeing. Richard is there, along with Mayor Jim Henking. He is checking in on Leah, but it's an obvious political play. His wife was gunned down as a result of gang violence years ago, which is why his platform has been focused on eliminating gangs in Chicago, and why he wants the swarm to be considered a gang ploy. Uh, Leah doesn't give him anything else to go with, so he heads out, making only brief comments to the waiting reporters. The that guy in the library, um, I wrote because uh, of how creepy he is. And he has weird clawed hands, and he's like, he's like reading all these murder books and wants to know who she is. The who are you? The creepy hands. I was like, this guy needs to get a drink with the creep on the bus from Dollbones and Bugman <laughs> and Bugman T- from Tinshu Jones or something. Like Tinshu Jones. Is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I just put the creep on the bus. I was just picturing him as like a weird vulture person. Like he's just kind of like got was, like a kind of a hunch. And yeah, like I was gonna picture him as Brian Posehn. I know who you are. <laughs> like, but he has to like make his hands all like Mr. Burns like, and he's <clears throat> he's really good at that. Like the whole scene of him like getting her out of the building. Remind I've only seen Minority Port once, but it's that part where like. Tom Cruise is trying to sneak, like, the precog, like, out of the building, and she's, like, she knows, and she's, like, you know, precognitive, so she, like, gives little warnings of, to the left, or something's about to happen, umbrella, and he, like, grabs an umbrella, and they go outside just as it pours down rain, or, like, whatever, it's, like, this whole, that's just sort of reminded me of, of just, like, quickly, like, moving someone along. Right. Uh, but being, like, hyper-efficient as you do it. Right. <laughs> I wrote this in my notes when, uh, they're in the car together. I wrote, he's kind of a dick and definitely a murderer, but I'm not worried for Leah the way I was when she was in Colin's car. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which says a lot. (laughs) You want to get in with this kind of skeezy, definitely date rapey dude here? Or do you want to go with, like, the murderer? I go with the murderer. Well, because, like, Ryan's going to be, like, upfront about, like, who he is and what he's doing. Like, even if it's something that you don't like, you, like, know where you kind of stand with what's going on with Colin. He's like, I could... I could, like, reach to the back of my car and pull out anything, you know? It could be, like, a it's sandwich. Like, it's like, watch. Or, it's or a like, chicken. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it could be a sandwich or a switchblade or a dildo. And you don't know in any of those. Could... <laughs> or a dildo sandwich. <laughs> It'll cut in half with a switchblade. You want to split it? It's just like, what the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> and, um, okay. When she's like, okay, I need your, I need your name. I've been through too much. You owe me that at least. And uh, he waits a long time before admitting that it's Ryan. And I go, I keep a basic bitch name like that secret, too. <laughs> Only thing worse would have been, like, Tyler. <laughs> I'm Kevin. Ke- Kevin, yeah. Or Josh. I'm sorry, it's a basic bitch. <laughs> Why do you think I don't like it? <laughs> I didn't know you didn't like yeah, your I don't, name. I don't like my name. Like any of it? No. You don't like Josh, Joshua, or Josh? Which do? Did they both suck? I just don't. I don't really like either of them. Do you like them, your middle I'm, name? Well, it's my dad's first name. And so okay, that's, that's not gonna work. Yeah. They they really screwed you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I don't care enough to change my name. Like I don't Give like children their own names. Like, Thank you. I don't strongly feel like any other name, so I'm just like, eh, whatever. Do you like your last name? Yeah. Several teachers would call me by my last name. I didn't like ask them to, but they did, and I didn't really mind. So, 
There must have been like a million Joshes. Right. Like, please just let me do this. (laughs) You're like, that's fine. Fair. Well, also, like, when they get to the station, she sees they're about to get to his car, and we have that ingrained in us, don't go straight, you know. Right. So she kind of does have that, um. Right. Hold on. And then it wasn't until she, like, realizes, like, he's had zillions of opportunities to kill you up to this point, and he hasn't. Right. Like, you're probably okay. Like, he literally met her in the middle of a murder and didn't kill her. Well, <laughs> so he it's took like... her off the dock. <laughs> he could later just be all like, well, I wasn't trying to help you. I was trying to kill you. I know your lungs suck, and that's why I threw you in this cold freaking water. Telling you to go swim a mile. <laughs> uh, he's a peach. All right. I do like that she's like, you don't look like Orion. It's like, Ryan is a safe name, a wholesome name, a name for a guy who plays soccer and wears crew neck sweaters. And I was like, yeah, but those guys often suck too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, we already did 12, didn't we? 12 Because yeah, the mayor was all up in the, the house. Mayor, yeah. Yeah, I like the, um, the mom clearly doesn't like him being there, but she's, like, better at, like, playing polite right. and, like, getting along with it. And then at the end, she's just like, your father and I voted for the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> There's this whole thing about their drinks, like... Yeah, he, got, go, yeah, he brought them, like, these drinks. He brought, like, eight different kinds of drinks. He's like, I got you, like, six from, the uh, from like, the coffee shop, and then two Figure bottles, like just one in of case. Them. Yeah. <laughs> and then her mom, Which like, is, like, a trying-too-hard boyfriend move. And he's, like, uh, Leah's, like, watching her mom drink something that she knows that yeah, her mom hates. Her, your mom said you, she, you would definitely wouldn't want that, and she's like, she fucking hates chai tea. Why is she drinking this? There's actually, it's spelled the same way, but that in, like, um, my sociology classes when I took statistics, there's things called chi-squares. It's spelled the same way we had to train ourselves out of saying chai when we saw it, because we're so used to that from Starbucks culture. That just seeps into everything, even if you don't But then do you end up going and asking for a chai tea? I have to think about it. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, okay, don't say, don't say chai, say chai. I don't know, I'm guaranteed, you're guaranteed to say it wrong in the wrong place and then everyone's like you called it chai right. tea that's like you that's called like, it a chai square that's such a common easy mistake to make i'm gonna shame you for dude that's like a anytime i see like a like a name or something that like could go both ways i know that whichever way i say it is going to be, be wrong, wrong and they're gonna make fun of me and it's like how was i supposed to know which of the two it was we have a weird language and our weird language doesn't align with other people's languages i'm sorry that i didn't know it was kirsten and not kirsten sorry right <laughs> Maybe pick a more better name. Is it Alicia? More it's better. Alicia. And I'm like, how should I know? I'm sorry. It wasn't followed by Silverstone, so I had no clue. <laughs> there's a line in, uh, there's, there's, there's a line about Alicia in, um, in Scream. When he's all like, oh, now there goes my shot with Sydney. And the guy goes, as if. Oh, is that what you got to say, Alicia? As if. <laughs> if things could just be like, like Japanese, where... Sure, the written language has a lot more going on, but, like, the speaking, like, A well, is, is it, always like, going to char- be... A... The character always makes that sound? Like, it's like a... Well, well it's like, A is always going to be ah. There's no ah, there's no A, there's just ah. And so it's like, man, that'd be so much more straightforward. Ah. <laughs> Does that <laughs> feel good? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're back into vines. We're so with the times. Vines with the Times. Vines with the Times. That's our uh, second podcast. Oh my god, maybe we should. (laughs) What if that got more listens than this? Do you like TikTok? 
I haven't watched many TikTok. Do they like always have a music thing with them, or do they not have to? Because like every time I see them advertised, it's like the TikTok compilations kind of suck. But some of them are at like um, are at like Vine level, where I was like, are we sure this wasn't a Vine? Sometimes. Yeah. Like the one where like the kid comes running out of the store, like, "Hey, you're filming me!" and goes running and then trips over like the concrete like parking thing and goes, "My Coca Cola!" when it spills everywhere. I'm sorry. I cried. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> well, like, I don't know what it was about Vine, but it seems like it attracted a really big, like, black community of, like, absolutely hysterical, like, all of a sudden, like, just really They tell me fun. I look like Shalissa. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're all so dang funny. Like that, why does he have so many dish soaps? Mind your business, Davey! <laughs> and that one kid was all like, Ooh, I like your accent. Where are you from? I'm Liberian. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I like your accent. Where are you from? That was <laughs> <laughs> so clever. But I like, I like the guy I just told you about or with the, um, mind your business, Davey. Because he has, like, a series of, like, other creepy, like, they're creepy but relatable and kind of fun. Because, like, the person who, like, doesn't hear you and you say, hello, hey. And they're like, what? And they walk up the other direction like, where are you? <laughs> I'm clearly not over there calling to you. <laughs> and you just see, like, the back of his head and he's walking away and it just happens over and over and it's like distressing and twilight zoney <laughs> and also like if you know like the mom's saying do this chore and he's like i did and she comes in looks at the sink and it's full of dishes yeah. again yeah because <laughs> they always see the thing you didn't finish doing okay we should probably continue this is not the vine book <clears throat> chapter 13 leah stays home from school the next day and begins her morning by looking into articles surrounding the pier incident she is shocked to find that reporter Emmy Vega doesn't believe the gang violence theory, and in fact seems to be at least somewhat supportive of Stephen Finch's original belief that the attacks were premeditated and based on connections the victims had to Chicago residents. Uh, however, Vega also sells Leah out on TV by suggesting that Leah knew where the next attack would be. Before she can further react, there's a knock on the door. Chapter 14. It's Ryan. Come to check on Leah. Considering Leah just threw a metal ball through a glass cabinet, she's seen better. He gets the first aid kit to deal with the injuries she sustained from walking on glass. Uh, Leah realizes he's too comfortable in her home and determines that he's been here several times before. She threatens to call 911. Chapter 15. Ryan explains that he used to come to the house at night to talk with Leah's dad. Ryan had wanted out of the swarm and Stephen Finch was going to help him break off safely. He also admits that after tossing Leah into the water, he had jumped in after her to ensure that she ended up somewhere safe like the mayor's dock. Ryan asks Leah if she responded to the tweet, which Leah doesn't quite understand, but assumes it to be some sort of sign-up for the death mob attacks. Leah recalls her dad mentioning someone named Paul a long time ago, and Leah brings him up to Ryan, uh, who claims Paul was his older brother, who died of an asthma attack when Ryan was very young. Chapter 16. Ryan leaves and Leah notices an unmarked envelope on top of her outdoor trash bin. Inside is an iPad with footage of her father's death. Leah watches the video in agony, after which the file deletes itself. Okay, okay, here we, here we, okay, so she skipped school, and this was a news story for some reason, and, like, Adam texts her, it's like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, uh, what? I've never had the kind of friendship where you need to update your friends on whether you stay home or not. Right. Is that, like, a new phenomena? That, like, you let your friends know you're not going to school? Like, I don't know. Because we didn't have cell phones, so there's I'm... no way we could have done it, but... That's, it just seems weird to me. It's like, why do I need to clear my fucking schedule with you? I just, I still think it's weird when I see things that have, like, text messages and they write, like, B4 as the letter and the number instead of writing it out. Just because I thought that that 
that was originally just shorthand for the fact that when people first had cell phones, they didn't have a full keyboard or anything. Yeah. But now that we have, like, autocomplete and, like, swipe instead right. of tap, it's like there's no real reason to not just write it out. It's probably harder to write out B and then the number four right. than to just get your phone to finish it for you. So I always think that's weird. It, it is. Yeah. And I don't even really do texting. Well, you can't get the service where you are half the time anyway. No, so. I can't. It sucks. <laughs> um, but, 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 okay, so uh, she sees Emmy's uh, report. And again, she interpreted it in a way that I didn't because I was like, oh my God, Emmy's so smart. Because she's put, I was like, oh, she's putting a spotlight on Leah and being like, okay, well, here's the thing though. Now we know if anything happens to her, then there's something legit going on here and we'll need to investigate it. Right. So she's kind of like letting the swarm know, like, you're, you screwed up, you done goofed. And uh, she's all like, she put a mark on me. It's like, this is going to help you. Right. And then we find out later, like, I was like, I was correct. Yay. <laughs> so so I was like completely on board with like not demonizing um, Emmy Vega. Yeah. Especially since I was also thinking when this happens, they're like, oh, the Latin Royals did this. So I was like, cool. So they're probably so racially profiling this whole city now, right now. And like, yeah. I bet there's like lots of problems now, which, uh, turns out was right. the case so i was like i'm a grown-up now <laughs> i can think of this stuff <laughs> stuff occurs to me i uh so i, I st- like early on even before we fa- like meet more of her i was like no, i think i like emmy vega yeah put it in like the little shitty comment she made like her makeup's caked on like she's on camera right you need that caked on i was trying really hard to get to chapter 20 by the end of this night that's when I was right getting these. yeah it didn't go well, and I ended up falling asleep in the middle of chapter 14. So, like, I had to go back the next morning and read my synopses and make sure that they had anything to do with the book I had just read. Because I would keep reading paragraphs, and I would just, like, invent new situations. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to go back, and I'd be like, I don't think that's happening in this book. I don't think anyone can do magic. There's an unreliable narrator and an unreliable reader. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't, it wasn't this book's fault, it's just I had a really long day and was pushing right. myself. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that I remember that day where you're like, I want to get to 20, and I got to 21, I'm like, I got a little further. Hee hee. Tee hee. Um, let's move on. Yeah, she uh, gets mad at Emmy's uh, interview and throws the uh, stress ball into <laughs> yeah. the case, which is such a Mara move. I uh, dented a wall in our old house because uh, I had like these decorative balls on the end of my uh, uh, day bed. Mm-hmm. Of course, I always swung on them and like swung on the thing, like nah, 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 and then it finally snapped off one day. So it just kind of like sat on the end. Anyway, I was mad one day and I picked up this loose like ceramic ball that was decorative on my day bed, picked it up and chucked it at the wall. Just made this crater that I covered with a poster for years. And then, um, my brother moved into that room later, and then he put a poster up there so it wouldn't get caught. And I was just like, okay. And then we like like the fam like the family moved out of that house. We'd lived there twenty four years, and I was like, okay, I'm like thirty three now, <laughs> and I did this when I was ten. Do you think the statute of limitations are up on her getting mad at me? Were they? <laughs> I was 10! I was 10! What were you even mad about? Oh, god name it. (laughs) If you think I'm uptight and upset all the time now, I was 
worse at that time. This was before my dad left, so I was constantly in conflict with him. So who knows what that fat asshole did. But anyway, so... <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so she... Uh, the This wouldn't have happened if Ryan hadn't shown up, but like she goes to get the door, so she ends up walking through the glass and cutting her foot. Right. This is Ryan's fault. Yeah. I mean, she probably would have been like... And, like, gotten, like, a broom and, like, swept it up immediately. But then there's someone at the door. And, um, well, this is part of when I hated him. Because he comes in and immediately takes control of the situation. And, like, orders it, moves her around. And, like, get, like, clean. I'd be all, like, I especially don't want anyone touching my feet. Like, nothing with feet, like, upsets me. So I was the whole time, like, let go of her fucking foot. Let her do it. <laughs> like, you're such a creep. And, like, getting so upset. There, There is this, and... I make note it of it. felt very paternalistic, and I didn't like it. I make note of it later, um, and I don't know how much of it is just the characters, how much of it is me reading too much into it or whatever, but, like, sometimes I feel like even when you have, like, a, a female main character who is, like, on the right track, doing her thing, like, solving whatever it is that needs to be solved, there are still, like, always, like, male characters that are coming in and, like, damselfying her even yeah. as she's trying to make mm -hmm. progress, and so... The, it would always rub me the wrong way when I'm like, she's got it, and then someone else like swoops in, and and, and I'm like, is that is that like a subconscious thing on the writer's part, or is that like a, an intentional like the men are always thinking that they know how to solve it, or like you know it's like, and so I can't. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I I I completely agree. I was I was getting that feeling too. Like even Adam was doing it. Yeah. As we found out, he didn't. I was like, does he have a crush on her? And it turns out he was gay. I was like, okay, what? <laughs> Like, I misread a lot of this. Yeah. So I'm like, this, that's on me. But, um, so I was just like, she's gonna, like, have to do some, like, serious character development for me to, like, be okay with the story. And we did get that eventually. Mm -hmm. But for a while, it's just all like, God, how much... <laughs> right. How many more times is someone gonna, like, cart her around? Right. Like, this is so frustrating to read. Yeah. And I, I'm aware that she's, like, wheezing half the time, and then they're like, oh, shit, she's, like, fainting because she can't breathe. Yeah. So that's why they kind of have to tote her along sometimes, but it's just a little annoying. Um, and then you said, like, she walked on broken glass, and I thought that song, Walking on Broken Glass. And um, well, my ex-husband worked at a grocery store where they were unloading a pallet that was full of bottles, uh -oh. and something went wrong, and all the bottles fell off of the pallet and shattered on the ground, and, like, the song just changed in the overhead to Walking on Broken Glass by Annie Lennox. So it's like the store was trolling them. <laughs> They're just watching it, like, and then that, do, 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 walking on. Man, who, who did their job wrong? Was it the Packers or the Unloaders or? I'm not sure. I'm not. I wasn't there. The, the point of the story was, like, all the glass broke and then Walking yes. on Broken Glass <laughs> <Yes>. came on. <laughs> Anyway, so so I'm getting pissed off at Ryan for just like you can fix your foot yourself. You don't need some. It's not like like, oh god, I can't get like I have a cut on my back. Can you help me? Because you can't get to that. Yeah. But like you can do your foot crap yourself. And uh, I was getting mad, and I go, I'm worried that Leah's a weak dish rag person, but alarm bells go off in her head because he knows his way around her house way too much. So Leah fucks politeness, tells him to get out, and dials nine one one. Yes. Uh, fuck politeness is from um. My favorite murder, where if you is feel it, is where if you feel unsafe in a situation, you don't care about you should not care about being polite anymore. And right, just, being just be the bitch, be, but be, you're alive. <laughs> being polite is for safe situations. Unsafe situations, you don't worry about manners. You like worry if you're about walking home in the dark behind an abandoned Toys R Us and someone's calling from their car for you to come over, 
don't be like, I shouldn't ignore them. Keep walking. Yeah, that really happened to me. And I kept walking. <laughs> and <laughs> so she's like, still here. I'm still here. I was like, if you need directions to get somewhere, park your car, go into the well-lit Walmart, ask an employee how right. to get somewhere. Don't call someone, you know, there's nothing legit going to happen. Right. The only thing I have left for this section is just kind of addressing oh, his, the I video. His, I thought his, like, brother who, like, died from asthma attack would play more of a role later, and it didn't, so. There were a couple things that I, there were a couple Maybe things ex- I thought would come back that didn't, but then also things I didn't think would come back that they tied together, so I was like, it evens out. Maybe that initially tied into, like, why he was so protective of her, of her without knowing her, because it's like, my brother died with the ailment that this girl has, so that right. kind of brings like a personal level to it right instead of like me being kind of unkind when i say wheezy a few times but i wasn't trying to be mean it's just you know when you're going <laughs> that's, that's wheezing oh okay then the um the horrible video that's Jeez. A terrible that's a terrible thing to do yeah because and and the fact that it's it's filmed from a first person perspective so you are the assailant so they film these attacks is it a way to keep the kids in line who might want to get out of it? That, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Is that it's because I was just like, that's dumb. Because what if, what if you accidentally yeah. like? So- As we'll explore more in a little bit, there are increasing levels of coercion involved in this whole situation, and so I think that filming would be part of the yeah. power. It's like, dynamic well, I'm out. I'm not. I'm not going to do anything. And they're like, right. okay, well then, if you go, well, we have your face right. hitting this guy. I guess make sure you crop everyone else out. <laughs> Chapter 17. The next day, Leah's mother asks her to see Dr. Rosenblatt, her old therapist. Leah has no interest and begins walking to school. She sees Ryan on the street, but he disappears down an alley as an obnoxious car pulls up besides (laughs) Leah. Three guesses who it is. (laughs) It's Cullen offering a ride to school. She gets in, not exactly enthused, and Cullen suggests she should act differently. They are, after all, a couple. That's right, they're Katniss and Peting this thing until the press's perception of Leah has moved away from crazy cult stalker to lovebird in the wrong place at the wrong time. Plus, Cullen gets to push his own persona. They arrive at school, almost running into a girl that strikes Leah as familiar. Uh, Cullen takes the lead on presenting them as the hottest new couple for the cameras. Once she's safely inside, she realizes where she knows the girl outside from. It's cropped hair girl from the swarm. Chapter 18. Leah tells Katie and Adam about cropped hair girl being a student at their school, and Katie promises to figure out who she is. Adam finds a picture of Dopney visiting Chicago several years ago, and Leah tries in vain to create a deeper connection between him and the city. Katie sends pictures of several girls before finding the right one, and Adam cross-references the photo with the school's locker assignments to come up with a name, Amy London. Leah and Adam cut class to research in the library and find that Amy's father was an architect working alongside several other key figures on the Lake Michigan housing project. Among the other members of that group include Bill Morrill, the client Leah's father was defending when he died, and Harry Hewitt, whose son just so happens to be one Ryan of the Gray Eyes. Mr. Mater comes in to check on the pair, but Adam helps quick-talk their way out. Chapter 19. Leah's sneaking through the halls alone when she runs into Amy London herself. Before they can exchange words, Copperhead, uh, who is the red-headed swarm member, tackles Amy into the bathroom. As Leah passes, she hears the girls talking, and Copperhead seems to be coercing Amy into silence. Uh, Leah continues on and notices a boy with a spider tattoo that seems to be keeping tabs on her. She heads outside and sees a black Escalade. In a panic, she jumps into the nearest cab and heads home. There, she finds none other than Emmy Vega waiting for her. Despite Leah's animosity towards her, Emmy makes some good points. First, despite reporting on her father's situation, she never spoke ill of him. 
Second, she believes just like Leah that the Swarm Gang connection is wrong and is just an easy way out that has resulted in a spike of race-based crimes. Uh, she convinces Leah that working together is their best strategy and because Emmy's connections are some of the only ones that aren't corrupt in the city. Leah lets her in on most of what she knows and wonders just how much she can trust Emmy. Okay, I, I have to point this out. Yeah. Um, I will never understand the teens who only exist in books, movies, and TV that never just stay home from school. Because they're always just all like, maybe you should stay home from school because this traumatic thing happened. No, I have to go to school. Like a real teenager is just like, okay, I'll stay home. I don't want to go. I just, I just don't, I've never encountered anyone in my life who's that committed to like attendance policy. And like, no, I have to go. I didn't like missing school, but that wasn't so much because I felt like I needed to it was more just like it was always just like a hassle like then knowing that i'm gonna have to like make up stuff and i never felt like ill enough for it to matter i'm just like whatever i'll just deal with it and not have to worry later it's just i bring it up because it's such a trope in every book right it's like you have a legitimate reason to stay home from school it's like no i'll, I'll go and it's like but like a slasher tried to kill you last night right <laughs> you can stay home and no one will think less of you and i bet you won't even have to make up the homework because they'll know what you went through and they'll just give you an a yeah you'll be fine yeah and like the couple of times that i missed school like nobody cares because everybody is so concerned about what everybody else thinks about them that they're not going to care about you so like you're not going to be the talk of the town because you stay at home that's not going to make anything worse and by the way talking about you for showing up like what the hell is she doing right here? <laughs> Right now, we're gonna get killed. <laughs> oh, Miss Thing just couldn't miss us talking about her. That's why she's here. <laughs> I wrote Katniss and Peta again, but this time I did it in block letters because we were doubling down on it. <laughs> he sucks so much that I wrote again. Please don't make him part of a love triangle. <laughs> um, okay, so when she recognized that girl from the swarm, and she's like so incapacitated by it that Adam's physically moving her around and like opens her locker himself to get her stuff out and everything how does he know her combination i never knew my friend's combination locker combos and then i wrote okay once but that she gave it to me because i forgot my clothes for pe and she had pe at an earlier time so she gave me like her combination for her pe locker so i could like use her clothes that that's the only time and i didn't remember it yeah <laughs> and that's a legit reason it just Ugh, I just hated that. Like, maybe if Katie had it, because then you could see, like, oh, maybe, like, she's like, oh, hey, do you have any tampons? There's some in my locker. Like, maybe grab some later. And like, okay. Right. Like that. But why the, why, the, why does Adam know her combination? Just little things like that irritate me. Well, because it was Adam's job to know things. He, as he says right here, I might not look like much of a threat, but my intellect is unmatchable. Boo. Boo words. I just, I, I just didn't like that. It's, it's like, it just seems like a handy little shorthand to like, that's how her locker got open or whatever. Yeah. Like, like the people in the books and the movies who always have like a key stashed outside to like get into the house. No one does that. That's a good thing for thieves. Thieves do that. <laughs> or like that part in Us when they're like, how are they getting in? She's like, oh, the hide key. And he's like, what? White shit? Yeah. <laughs> and I was the only person in the theater to suddenly like cackle really loud at that. Because <laughs> uh, I have a strong opinion about that. Like, Bleh! it always happens. Okay, so uh, we have, Ryan has a last name. Copperhead goes to their school. The boy with the spider tattoo. I always think the girl with the, the dragon. dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's not. He's no Lisbeth Salander. This kid's not subtle at all. Yeah. 
Because, like, what? Emmy spots them yeah. later. It's like, that guy's not there. I like um, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, she's cool. Spider tattoo in this book is not cool. Okay, and then Emmy totally being how I thought she was. Not, and then, like, pointing out, like, you stupid spoiled white girl. Do you know that there's, like, other effects of this besides your, what's immediately happening to you? And I was like, she farted in the tea. <laughs> Throwing it in her face. Chapter 20. Leah's contemplating her situation when Ryan comes by for a late night visit. He confides in her. Wow, chicka, wow, wow. No, sorry. This isn't that Not yet. <laughs> yet? <laughs> Doesn't happen. That's in the sequel. So that's why we need the squeakle. <laughs> he confides in her why he is in the swarm. The swarm has blackmail on his family, and they will keep it secret only if Ryan serves them for a certain period of time. This is how they get many of their recruits. And if you want to reduce your sentence, the best way is to participate in the attacks yourself. Ryan has a friend, had a friend, Jamie Cunnings, the committed suicide after dealing a killing blow for the swarm. Uh, this put Ryan in a bad mental state, and it was during this time that he ran into Leah's father and tried to escape the swarm. Leah asks about the swarm's connection to the lakefront project, and Ryan suggests that the increase in Save the Parks protesters at, uh, at the same time as the death mob returning is not a coincidence. Leah's mother finds the two talking and sends Ryan away, claiming that he got Leah's father killed. Chapter 21. At school, Adam reveals that the Lakefront Project, uh, which, if we hadn't really explained, is the selling of uh, park land for private mansion development, brought in a half billion dollars just during the first phase. Uh, one of the houses that was built was the mayor's house where she first started this. Um... Many people made money off the development, but only one man was in charge of it all, the mayor. The swarm started two years before he was elected, uh, but he built his election campaign around destroying the swarm and using the lakefront project to boost tourism. He's behind the whole thing, probably. Cullen picks this moment to come by and be himself, and Leah insults him, which may not be a good idea now that she knows uh, his dad is funding a group of killers. As Cullen leaves, news spreads that Jeremiah Dopney has died. I found the... Uh kind of the setup for the swarm interesting so basically they find people who's they have dirt on for their families or whatever and they're like we want you to be part of this swarm for x number of time but if you want to do less time with us the more you participate the less you do and if you deal the killing blow you're out you're entirely out. yeah uh which is like because then all of a sudden you are making that mental arithmetic of like how traumatizing is this for me versus the things that I would do to get it over with? Yeah. Um, and that in itself is torturous. And I just think that that's, it's really devious, but I think that's a really interesting. And if uh, you're known as an initiator, if like you do like the first few hits, uh, I think you get like cash and prizes basically. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's why lip ring is like, so like, yeah, I'm going to get more stuff. Yeah. Cause he's like key initiator. Ugh. Yeah, he's like, he's a career death mobber. Oh, yeah. He's never getting out. He likes it too much. Okay, I gotta find the because I laughed out loud at this line and couldn't, couldn't stop laughing. Okay. Okay, so he's being an idiot, and then Adam's like, it's almost charming how much you think she actually cares about you, Adam says, although intelligence has never really been your strong suit. And Colin stands, straight people's never really been yours. Don't pretend to understand. And then Adam goes, the only thing I don't understand is this scenario and why you continue wearing that shirt knowing you pit out every time you wear it. <laughs> and he checks his arms. 
I just never heard the term pit out, but I right. knew exactly what that meant. And I was just like, that's so great. And and, and then I then after that I got frustrated. I'm like, when, when Adam hypothesizes that the person behind the tax is the mayor, um, Leah starts like glaring daggers at Colin like super subtly. Right. And so and then um, I go, but. Um, uh, to this dick cheese, that's as good as a come hither stare. So he struts over to be gross and touch Leah's hair. And I was like, can she please tell someone off? Why does Adam need to be the one to rag on Colin's clothes? Because I want her to be all just like, okay, say hi to the Cobra Kai's for me later. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's such like 80s movie villain. Right. Like, bulls- like frat boy bullshit. Kind of like, nerds! That, like that guy is like what he is. And I like hate that so much. So it's just like, call it out. Like, make fun of it. Make him feel stupid for, like, what you're socially accepted. <laughs> Weirdo. <laughs> I did a drinky-drinky motion that made Josh laugh. So that's how I felt about that. And also, uh, Katie's across the room not participating with them. <laughs> and I wrote, probably because Leah's a pretty shitty self-centered friend. <laughs> okay. Are we ready for 22? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, things, Nothing good happens thing, Things don't go well for the next few chapters. No! <laughs> <laughs> we were reading the upbeat stuff before. Yeah, okay, strap in. <laughs> Chapter 22, nine days later, which is kind of like the first like big like time jump we've done. Most of nine this has been like... <laughs> most of this has been like the day after or something. So nine yes. days later, it's Adam's birthday. And he's celebrating with Leah at a Thai restaurant they used to frequent. Leah's still beating herself up over Daphne's death. But a new and more mature Adam won't let her. Uh, after paying the head outside and Adam tells her he's discovered the date of the next attack. October 20th. As soon as he says that, however, a group of swarm members approaches him and Leah. They attack, beating Adam unconscious, and Leah re- recognizes one of them as lip spikes. Suddenly, the attackers become the attackees as Ryan swoops in to save the day. The attackers flee and Ryan calls 911. The EMTs arrive and load a- Adam into an ambulance. Leah gets in two, and a tattooed EMT tells her that she has 20 minutes to get her story straight for the police because the EMTs will say that they only found her and Adam. No Ryan. Chapter 23. Leah wakes at home in the night, uh, connected to her asthma breathing machine, uh, with Ryan at her side. He tells her Adam is still in critical condition and vows to come clean with everything he knows about the swarm. It won't be enough, however, and Leah asks him to find others that will come forward too, starting with Amy London. Chapter 24. Ryan drops Leah off at the hospital. She goes inside to see Adam and instead finds Katie in the waiting room. Katie is furious with Leah for making everything about her these last few weeks, and now Adam is paying the price for it. Leah knows Katie is right and asks to be updated on Adam's condition. As she goes to leave, she sees Dr. Marshall and Mayor Hanking discussing an expansion to the NICU. Hanking makes a racist comment about the crack babies that would help and points out, that he also has a proposal for a Henking Hotel that would be even taller than Trump Tower. They notice Leah, and she can tell from the way the mayor talks to her about the recent incident that he knows Ryan was there. The mayor leaves, and Katie rounds the corner crying and embracing Leah. Adam is dead. Okay, so talk about this birthday restaurant thing. First of all, he, he didn't want to talk anything about any of this crap, so then her solution to that is just not say anything at all. And it's like, you're such a jerk. You can't just talk about school. You can't talk about anything else. You Like, the only thing you can think of to talk about is, like, this stuff. It's his birthday. Yeah. Can you not be a jerk? Especially since you didn't bring a president. Why didn't you bring a present? I was <laughs> I, I wrote in the notes, like, isn't her family loaded? <laughs> like, get him a present. <laughs> that made me so angry. Plus, he pays. He pays for his birthday right. dinner. 
And she, she kind of like makes some weak little protest about yeah. it. But I was like, oh, if you really, wait, no. yeah, no, okay, <laughs> can you get me five bucks? Yeah, and Katie was like refused to be there. <laughs> it was like, wow, I think she's pretty much done with that friendship. I would be too. She sounds pretty insufferable to be around. I'm getting mad at her for like stuff, and I'm like not even knowing her. Right. <laughs> so I'm reading it from her perspective, and still going like, "You're an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> But it's like a believable asshole level. I've like I've had friends like this. That's why I'm like so frustrated reading it because I'm just like, oh, I've experienced this. And there's been times when I've been Malia as right. well. So yeah, and it's like, just it's it's very believable. Yeah, uh, relationship dynamics amongst uh, teenagers. Yeah, so, and like you can tell she was a teacher. <laughs> The author. Uh, like I said before, like <laughs> some of it is valid because she is ultimately still trying to investigate and stop these things, but the way she goes about it is often to a degree that isolates her, And but she still expects everyone to kind of come along with it. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can have your project, but you don't really get to like rope other people into it for nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like they're, they're sacrificing themselves in order to help you with your little thing and you're not you're not recognizing that they're making a sacrifice for that so why are they going to keep doing it yep oh and then when she showed up at the hospital and katie like uh was ripping into her uh like what a selfish asshole she is and because leah's like how anywhere but this hospital and like you get it because that's the hospital where her dad died yeah it's a hospital where her sister died and she's like yeah adam's dad works here and he's the one who's fixing his face right now okay not everything's about you which isn't that a conflict of interest i know i I was just like like i don't think you can do that (laughs) and um but oh and and then she's like she she brought a flower and she's like seriously you brought fucking poinsettia he's jewish (laughs) and i was like what a weird flower to pick anyway even (laughs) if he wasn't jewish well for anyone who doesn't know that's something you give people at christmas right I, 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 I even Googled, like, what's a good, pl- like, plant to give people? This was not well, on the, here. The only reason I can think of why she did that is because this is happening, like, towards the end of the year. So that might have been one of the more prominent ones at the store. The fact that she didn't really think it through is on her. But that's yeah, why it would be it's available. it's indicative of who she like, is. Like, it's not going to be available in no, May. No, this is in October. There's yeah. not going to be other stuff in October. She doesn't have to get him this. No, I'm saying, I'm saying she had other stuff to choose from. She still chose that. That's on her. But yeah. she wouldn't exactly have the choice of a poinsettia in like May, probably. They probably right. wouldn't be trying to sell it. No. Um, <laughs> it brings red roses. Like, are you serious right now? <laughs> yeah, I just, I was just like, oh, dude. And then, and then she's just like, okay, well, never mind. Can you just tell me how he is? Bye. And then like, uh, just like, tries yeah. to leave. And then sees these guys, and he's the doctor's trying to convince him to uh, give funds to expand the NICU. When he's all like, "Well, I need a hotel with a statue." Oh yeah, he and wants he, a he, he wants a fountain statue of himself. Yeah, and the doctor's like, "Oh, she's a NICU. She she was an NICU." And I'm and I'm like, "Isn't that kind of a HIPAA violation? Can you can you say that? I mean, I guess it's not a secret, but yeah, this is one of the chapters, by the way, that starts off with like a." Uh... PTSD hallucination that I didn't realize was one. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, because it's it it says uh, the chapter begins with Ryan pulls over in front of the yeah. hospital. Uh, wait for me. Shouldn't be hard. The entire first floor is made of glass. 
A shot cracks as a bullet pierces the wall. Veiny cracks shoot through the panel like lightning, shattering the structure until it bursts, and a thick avalanche of diamond shards crashes the pavement. The clinking is deafening, suffocating. It reverberates inside my chest, and I have to remind myself it isn't real. So that whole time I was like, what? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, she did that so many times that eventually, when then when the action did happen, I was like, and then it, you woke up, and it's like, oh, she's <laughs> like, not. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. So Adam, Adam's dead. I actually wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting him to get killed. <laughs> Pour one out. I started um, just because it seems like he'd be the one that like you go visit him in the hospital, and then he's like trying to crack jokes about how he's like so injured and stuff, and then he's like, but I'm gonna be okay, and then they have like a heart to heart, and then she like is like reinvigorated to go and finish here but this like, is the special secret program i was perfecting yeah, but with this one it's like nah he's dead and you have to deal with the fact that your this quest that you're doing has consequences um and so i was like dang yeah i don't think there was any sort of malicious attempt with this but she did kill off the, kill the gays. one gay yeah. character i did and think like, that kill your gaze that's another and, trope yeah and which is one that i didn't realize until a couple of years ago and so i have I have made a point to be like, gay people don't need to have tragic endings all the time. Yeah. They can have normal people endings. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that kind of hit me too. I'm just like, mm, okay. Keep the tattooed EMT in mind. I didn't, I, I didn't immediately, like, I was like, oh, that's, he must know that there's like more to this story than meets the eye. But like, this is one of those things that comes around that I wasn't yeah. entirely sure would. Like I wasn't. A lot of things did. Right. Chapter 25. Days pass and Leah finally brings herself to get out of bed. She heads to Navy Pier, determined to stop the next attack. That's not where the next attack is. She doesn't know where the next attack is, but she has a plan. She sees a family head into the Ferris wheel and snags the mother's cell phone from the stroller they left behind. Leah boards the Ferris wheel in the same car the family exits and uses the phone to find the tweet that has the info on the next death mob attack. The date and time are there, but unlike the previous attacks, there's no location yet. The wheel makes a full rotation, and Cullen forcibly joins her on a second round. He apologizes for Adam's death, uh, which is being called a hate crime because Adam was gay. Yeah. He invites her to the Save the Parks Gala uh, as his date, which she declines. Uh, Richard is waiting for them outside the wheel, and he is more adamant about Leah attending the gala. It would be good publicity for the mayor and Leah to be seen together, uniting the city. Leah criticizes the mayor's stance, considering he's been destroying parks to build mansions, and Richard makes it clear that if Leah doesn't agree, more people she cares about will be harmed. A man attempts to return the stranger's phone to Leah, and when uh, the owner of the phone notices and claims it for herself, Richard appears to put some pieces together. Leah concedes to attending the gala, which she realizes is on October 20th, the day of the next attack. Chapter 26. Leah visits an Apple store and uses their computers to search for more children of Lakefront Project members. She finds a few options to send to Ryan, and as she prepares to leave, she is stopped by Emmy Vega. Emmy has uncovered Jeremiah Dopney's connection to this whole thing. He was adopted, and his birth mother, Sydney Cornell, went on to become the chairperson for the Save the Parks Gala. Leah wants to run with this info and reopen her dad's case, but Emmy says they need more. She's actually written a story on the whole mess and plans to release it after the gala to force people to take notice. Leah tells her that she has to attend the gala and that the next death mob attack may happen there. Emmy gives her a secure phone and helps wipe Leah's presence from the store computer. As Leah leaves, she notices Spider Tattoo watching her, heading for the computer she just used. Chapter 27. A few nights later, Leah sneaks out to find Ryan, but he finds her first and brings her back into the garage. 
She gives him the list of potential swarm defectors and tells him about the gala and a probable attack there. Ryan can't let her get hurt and kisses her and yada yada. He promises to figure this out with her. And she almost tells him that she has prepared a live feed that will broadcast to thousands if anything goes down at the gala. Leah returns to her room and before she can think twice, she responds to the swarm's attack time tweet that she's in. Uh, and responding gives her access to the victim's info once it's posted. Yeah, this is when she starts being more proactive instead of... I really so liked that. I, I was when I... Because... She, she needed this. Yeah, because at the start we see that she has this whole, like, board thing where it's like she's been set on this for a long time. Obviously she has good investigative instincts, she's a good planner, things like that. But then she gets sidelined by all of these other, like, factors. Um, and so it was nice to, for to see her kind of strip most of that away and just go back to the skills that we assumed that she had at the start. So yeah, I agree with you. It was really nice to see her get back into that zone. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. She really needed that. How did he know she was here? Colin? How did they know she was there? And then it's just like suddenly like she's crowded in with like the flowers and stuff. I'm like... I think he just has a Leah sense. He'll just be like, there's someone I need to be rapey to. <laughs> so they're like, what is it? heard someone roll their eyes at the thought of me <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy oh and i quoted uh john mulaney a little bit when um he says he asked her to the save the parks gala while looking outside nervously leah thinks the mayor's put him up to this and tells him to beat it bozo <laughs> 28 <laughs> leah preps for the gala and is informed that her mother will be attending as well to watch over her Cullen's car picks Leah up, and as they head to the gala, they notice a large group of protesters set up below the water tower. Leah gets the location of the next attack, which will be at the tower, and rushes in to tell everyone to leave. She finds Katie in the crowd and tries to usher her out. Ryan arrives, having, uh, having received the location well before Leah, and she realizes she's been set up. The swarm starts to converge, and they receive the photo of the victim. Leah can tell from Ryan's look that it's her. Ryan has Cullen take Leah away, and she does her best to film what's happening as she's carried off. She sees Katie escape, but watches Ryan go down in a mess of bodies. She checks her own message and sees the photo of the victim. It's not her. It was Ryan all along. Chapter 29. Cullen takes Leah back to the mayor's house, where Leah sees a news feed confirming a death at the uh, mob attack. Cullen heads to the shower, leaving Leah alone with the just-arrived Richard. He finds Leah's hidden phone and kills the live feed, then reveals that he's the mastermind behind the swarm. The mayor's just in it for the fame, but Richard loves the control and manipulation, which goes deeper than Leah knows. As he pontificates, there is a knock at the door. Uh, Cullen comes back in and opens it, and Emmy and her camera crew force themselves in, giving Leah a chance to escape. Richard pursues her, and Emmy ends up with footage of Richard trying to restrain Leah, claiming she is a suspect in a swarm investigation. Uh, Richard escapes, and Leah gets into Emmy's van. Chapter 30. Emmy informs Leah that the burner phone had spyware on it, so even though the video feed was cut, she still has a full audio recording of Richard's confession. It's not enough to bring down the mayor as well, but she's going live with it in an hour to destroy Richard before more damage can be done. The spyware also means she knows about Ryan and the other swarm kids, but she has no interest in exposing them for coerced assault. She tells Leah that uh, her video went viral. The swarm is already unraveling, and head kids like lip spikes have already been identified. Leah has a hard time feeling like she succeeded, considering everything she lost. Emmy plans to shack up Leah and her mom away from Chicago until this blows over. Leah notices a tattoo on one of the cameramen that matches the one the helpful EMT had, 
and he admits that he was in the swarm for two years and would do anything to prevent someone from sharing his fate. Oh, he didn't. He, he didn't say that, like he gets shot. He, like not like like the shot rings out. In oh well, yeah, he's, yeah. I actually yeah I didn't. Uh, that was not something that like. I really noticed the first time reading it in the chaos. Um, and this is one of the things where I thought she was hallucinating. I thought she was hallucinating, like, jumping out. Like, I want to just jump out of the car and right. like, run and warn people. And I go, but you didn't. And she's like, but then Colin gets out of the car and goes, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, it's happening. Okay, it's happening. <laughs> I was, like, really excited. As soon as she, she's like. She's good at running in heels. Holy crap. I was like, she lost the shoes at some yeah. point, right? And it's like, no, because she's kicking Richard with the shoes. And so I was like, oh, my heels sank into the thing. And I was like, you're still wearing the shoes? amazing right you're like, like that girl who outran the t-rex in jurassic world i would have kicked him off as soon as i like tripped on the grate you know like right would, at the start <laughs> that would have been very first move because i was like ah, i can barely even fucking walk in these i'm kicking them off and I'm running uh before we get into the attack i just want to point out that uh the mayor's office sends her this like skimpy cocktail dress with like an open back and like these slits all the way up the legs yeah. and she's 16 and i'm like can we not <laughs> that's probably why they did that to try to like you know kind of slut shame her yeah. a little bit and be all like oh this is yeah. your victim she's a whore right it's like wearing the dress you picked right out. i'm like if she chooses that dress for like her own choice for her own body that's one thing but somebody else telling her that she's gonna wear that i'm like i don't think you get to yeah okay yeah i, I didn't like either i was like gross and i feel like <laughs> the mom should have been like no and at the very beginning, like, the mom's all dressed up to go with her, and then she doesn't, and I'm not certain what changed her mind. Yeah. It's like she talks herself out of it. She's all like, your dad was sparkly and wonderful, too. Anyway, bye. And goes upstairs, and I'm like, what? I actually made a note about, uh, (laughs) yeah, she's like, you look like him, and I'm like, he also wore skimpy cocktail dresses? (laughs) Yes. I'm like, if he can rock them, absolutely. Her hair sounded messy, too. She's like, I just had a low ponytail. I'm like, gross. You're going... So I'm just picturing, like, makeup and this fancy dress and then just this gross, like, bleh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? But maybe it's, like, a nicer ponytail, like, uh, like how Ver- what Veronica Mars wore her hair to prom. Because that was, like, a low pony, but it was, like, cute. As soon as she gets the info for the water tower, I was like, the victim's not going to be one of the people there. They're going to... Like, they know that if she gets that info, she's going to head in there yeah. and try to... And so I was like, so she's going to be the target. Yeah. And then I was like, I'm right. And I was like, oh, I'm not right, but I'm yeah. still, like, kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like that, that um, it's like, oh, we're leading this up to this thing that's going to be so obvious. It's like, psych. Yeah. But it's not like... I feel like it's an earned psych. Right, it's a, it's, it's a psych, yeah. but it's not like a... Like a out of left field Shyamalan twist they knew that they, he was cozying up with her for a while so yeah. it's just all like okay let's just take him out that makes sense yeah and then the villain she off. sees <laughs> yeah before I get to that though so she sees on the news that like a teenager dies but she doesn't see the face she just sees a body being carried away under a sheet and I was thinking like I knew that he wasn't dead I knew, obviously, that he wasn't dead because they were more direct about killing Adam. And I was like, well, if they've already killed, they're not going to kill the other one. So what I thought was that he had gone in there and actually killed Lip Spikes for her. And that would have been the victim. And then he had, like, gotten away. And so then I was expecting him to come back and be like, well, he's gone at least. Uh, yeah, he just gets so very the uh, Richard when he had, like... I'm like, wow, where is your mustache to twirl, sir? (laughs) (laughs) Like, all of a sudden, he's just like, let me tell you about my devious ploy. 
And then, like, Colin wandering in with, like, his mesh shorts, getting a yeah. drink, and, like, um, like, is someone gonna get the door? It, just, it was so funny. And he's not reading the room at all. Yeah. It's like, this. He is not capable of you that. You wandered into a Bond film and don't know where you are. He's just doing the John Travolta thing. From yes, him. yes. Which I don't even really like that movie, but that's like my favorite like meme is just stick that places where he's just like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Emmy comes in and she has her camera crew and she's like, hey, what's going on here? And then Leah's like, I'm out. And then Richard's like, no, you're not. And then he's like scrambling after her. I don't know if I totally bought that someone who had been, like, so good at staying composed while sending children to murder people for a decade would have suddenly lost his cool so hard that he would have why, allowed why else... himself to get, get, like, filmed. I could see it. It's just, like, all this stuff all of a sudden, like, just happening. It's like, no, I had everything perfectly planned. How could this have happened? <laughs> you meddling kids. You know? <laughs> he. So I think this is just the act of, like, a desperate man just like, now. Plus, you know... He doesn't have anyone else to send out to do his, you know, dirty work, because... He could have sent Colin. He could have just been like... Colin didn't know where he was. <laughs> he was in a Bond film, John travolta all over the place. <laughs> anyway, maybe we should move on. We're nearly done. We got, do you like... want me to finish it up? Yeah, finish it up, man. Finish it up. Chapter mm-hmm. 31. Leah and her mom watch from a nearby hotel room as Emmy goes live with her report. The TV cuts to footage of Richard being arrested and warrants are issued for the five teens thought to make up the highest level of the swarm. Leah is still overcome with pain and hallucinations and asthma attacks, but her mom tells her how she's always been a fighter, going back to when she wasn't even supposed to survive past birth. Strength, she says, is not about how hard you can hit, but if you're still standing at the end of the fight, and Leah's still standing. Chapter 32. Someone's at the door. It's Domino's! Just kidding, it's Ryan. With Domino's! (laughs) Just kidding. With fake blood. Gross. He's beaten and bloody, but alive. Turns out, he'd made enough connections in the swarm that once Leah's photo was released uh, as the victim, they would surround her and pretend to attack and kill her, then help her escape. When it was revealed that he was the victim, however, uh, the group did the same thing for him instead. Change of plans. (laughs) His family knows he's alright, and he's finally free from the swarm. Uh, There's still a lot of healing that needs to be done for Leah, for Ryan, for Chicago, but tonight was a step in the right direction. Leah embraces Ryan, knowing her fight isn't quite done yet, but knowing she has the strength to keep going. The end. Okay, they lost me a little bit with the, um, you know, like, oh, you're strong because you take a beating and keep standing. Because a lot of, like, things kind of represent women's strength as that. Is like, look at all this shit she's had to endure. Isn't she strong? And he was like, why can't I just be strong without you heaping garbage on me? Like, why does that always have to be the thing? So, um, food for thought, something to think about. But she, this was all really cool that she did. And I was just all like, cool, so he's dead, so he's not gonna sweep in to save her. <laughs> she can do some stuff herself. And who saves her? <laughs> Gail Weathers! <laughs> Which she did also in Scream by getting hold of the gun. <laughs> sure, she forgot the safety, but she, saw, she fixed that later. <laughs> Sorry, go watch Scream. It's a really good movie. The first two are really good. The yeah, other two are still... Three's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch four. I heard four is pretty decent. Yeah. Three is the only one where I'm like, I don't even know if I really want to go back and watch it. Four, I'm like, I'm not dying to, but I would. 
And then the first two, I'm like, yeah, every few years I'd probably throw it on. I like the edit from the fourth one where uh, Ghostface is very viciously stabbing that girl in the chest, mm-hmm. and then it fl- and then it like cuts to um <laughs> cuts to um. <laughs> That uh, Taylor Swift video where she communicates with that guy through the window, so she flips the sign and goes, You okay? <laughs> like, no, Taylor, I'm not. <laughs> Unlike you, I have real problems right now. <laughs> okay, yeah, and then um, I, I think it's funny that the mom's just like, I'm gonna go take a shower. I'm like, You don't need to go take a shower. You just wanna give them a little privacy, so then you just smoochy smooch. I'm, I'm obnoxiously making like two little hands. Uh, two little faces with my hands and kissing. Uh, yeah. So that was that book. Oh, shit. I didn't even say where when I decided I was okay with Ryan. It was during that time where you hand-waved them kissing. Here it is. Uh, then they do kiss face. And it's great because he doesn't go too big at first. And he checks carefully to make sure she's into it. And then I was like, alright. I'm okay with this now. <laughs> it took until chapter 27 for me to be like, okay, the romantic interest is okay. So that was the book. That was the what, what 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 star rating would you give it? So like you, I had it at a three and a half. Yeah. So like it just kind of depends on. I I'm did end up for. like putting it as four because I don't know how to represent three and right? a half on Goodreads, but I feel three and a half. Yeah. And if there is another one, I felt like there was going to be one. I don't know. I just don't on feel Goodreads, it. Goodreads does it have like a parentheses in like one or something? Uh, not that I saw. Oh. I don't know. It it, it feels Cause, like because it felt like there could be another one, and also because of um, like the mayor making that announcement of like she's always welcome on her home. Is like you're never going back there, and like Colin's face of like I don't know, I don't know, you know, look on his yeah. face. So I just felt like there was like more to go with with that, but that's still a succinct yeah. story that got yeah completely. I guess I just feel like it's the same sort of ending as like totally different emotional realm, but like the same sort of ending as like pumpkin heads with like the happily ever after for now how it's like they're like do we need to see them being but elves the big bad didn't get taken down is my what i'm saying no, but he's not the big bad they think he is they they think he did more so they need to take down the mayor too they don't it's ambiguous but right the, so let's make it unambiguous but i don't together. i don't think that it needs to be another book is the thing i'd read it I'm not saying I wouldn't read it if it happened. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that I don't think that that is the intention of this. I don't, I wouldn't do that if I were this writer. I would leave it as just like a, and then you assume she has work to do, but I don't need to like tell you every step she takes to do it. Taking down the mayor, like you just said, if you think that there's actually. So that should be the story then. But I don't think that it needs to happen. (laughs) I don't think it would be wrong to write it. I just don't feel like it's, it's necessarily setting up for a sequel so much as just not totally shutting the door on a sequel, which is like a different thing. I would disagree with you. We're just not going to agree on this. But hey, at least we both like the book. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thank you for sending it to uh, us. Right, exactly. Thank you. Um, Has this uh, reinvigorated your your interest in receiving free books? I know for a while you're like, if you could just stop. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it's like, it, it got to a point where it just felt like a really uncomfortable obligation, but like. Yeah, I, but, um, I want to, if we get more, if we have more listeners, then we could actually just go to the publishers and, like, say, like, hey, you have these books coming out, could we get review yeah. copy? But we don't have that level yet, so. Yeah. Beggars can't be choosers. Wah, wah. wah. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Hello, Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh and produced by Josh. Music provided by Ben Ash. You can visit him benash.com if you'd like to contact us please do so hfkpodcast at gmail gmail 
gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram at HFK Podcasts. Uh, we are available everywhere except Spotify. Um, oh, that I googled how to do that. It's pretty easy. Do you, you want to do it? it? Yeah, we should. No, do you want to do it? No. <laughs> okay. I'd mess it up. Okay. I know me. <laughs> I get overwhelmed easily. All that's up here is a recording of Cheese It meowing for fifteen. Mi- How did you even record that you little? Step on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Start crying. Yeah. So maybe eventually we'll be there. And then uh, just a reminder for next month, we're doing a special episode. It won't be based on a specific book that we read. We will be talking about. Uh, some of our favorite YA and teen and children's literature over the years. So I think we're going to intentionally not pick ones that we've covered on the podcast just to, I mean, so you have, like, because you've already heard our thoughts on that. Why right, I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to mention Fablehaven because then it's just going to be like, well, you could listen to us I, talk about I that for two like hours. we shouldn't include Harry Potter either because everyone knows about that. Let's just assume that's a given that Harry Potter's a favorite and then we're not going to waste time on it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. If, if you, I, I, I do think it's a waste of time because it's something everybody already knows we have, about. We have nothing left to add for it. No, we don't. <laughs> Even if I talked about like my personal story with it, it would sound like a lot of other people's. Yes. Like I would rather talk about the ones that, uh, like the ones that when when I'm at the library and people are like, "What should I read?" I'm like, "You should read this one. No one ever reads it. And it's really freaking yeah, yeah, good." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be doing that, and then we'll be back to normal episodes uh, at the start of 2020. It's not a year. <laughs> That's a vision I don't have. No. Not for a lot of years. <laughs> it's like a million and like a billion. It's, it's, it's really bad. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.